if you really look at it, going through that, going through those four quadrants, you're taking on more risk. Then also, I said before, you're paying less in taxes. So while it might be easy to say, okay, you know, tax the rich, they don't pay enough in taxes. If, if you want to take on more risk, I mean, if you're willing to take on more risk, then you could pay less taxes. So which is it? Do we just tax the rich more or do we as individuals decide, hey, I want to increase my income. I want to pay less in taxes. Let me just kind of start providing the different services and uh, goods required for me to also take take part in that because it's it's not like closed off. Um, I will say now that since I've been looking at you know podcasts over the past couple of years and, and looking at more investing on YouTube and uh, you know different blogs and such, trying to find more individuals that look like me was kind of hard. But now that I've found them, I've, I have the avenues to find them. I can I can definitely say that all right. Even if I don't see someone in a particular field or area, why can't I jump in? You know, it's not, you know, I can't do this or why should I? I should be like, all right, how can I do it? Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Checkup Podcast. Jay here. Hope you all have had a wonderful week. Um, this year, I'm loading up on Monday, so technically, I hope you all had a wonderful week and hope everybody was safe. Hope everybody made some moves and just, you know, hopefully got to relax from, you know, work or your hustles, whatever you happen to be doing at this point in time in life. But at this particular time, I would just like to start off the podcast and say that I've been kind of doing you all a disservice, not only just from the time spacing in between the podcast since it's supposed to be weekly, but also the fact that I've been running through a lot of the terminology and concepts that I've been speaking of pretty fast, haven't really been diving into the details. And while I did plan to do that later, I finally got some feedback and found out that I should uh, definitely do that a bit sooner. So um, instead of rambling on, kind of like how I've been doing so far, kind of assuming that you know, you all would just keep, you know, watching and listening and hopefully get the tidbits that you need. Um, I should try to cater more to those who are not as outspoken. So <laughs> anyway, moving on from that, I did eventually, if no, no, if you all saw, but I did post the simple budget that I listed out in my last episode on Instagram. So definitely go and check that out. Link will be down in the description. And I did also compare my current or at least my expenses for 2021. Uh, that technical budget. I didn't really go by it, but this is just kind of how my expenses and trans, uh, transfers align. And I'm going to share that with you all now. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. If you don't remember, uh, most of the simple budgets that I saw online, most of the frameworks that I saw were 50% expenses, 20% savings, and 30%, you know, flexible spending. So that's kind of like your, your play money, your, you know, taking, I guess, like going out to eat money, uh, your subscriptions and things of that nature. And I also had, uh, also had some percentages and categories. We might, we, we, well, we'll just go through everything. We'll just go through everything this time, actually. So just for those first set numbers, 50, 20, 30, uh, remember fixed expenses, savings, and then flexible spending. In my particular case, I have 45% fixed expenses, 40% savings, 
pretty much 40%, like 39.9. <laughs> I didn't round up the pennies though. So I didn't take care of every little cent, but you know, this is the general overall picture. And then I have 15% for flexible spending. And just to tell you what categories that all includes, uh, my fixed expenses, the 45%, I included my housing expenses, groceries, transportation, and health. As far as my take-home, my take-home expenses, what, I, what, comes, uh, what comes out of that money. 15% uh, the flexible spending is gifts and donations, uh, you know, charity and things like that, giving. And then my personal flex spending category, if you all, I have it again, I have it on Instagram if you guys want to see it. I'll possibly throw a picture of it right here in the video. Um, but that's, you know, going out to eat, cell phone bill, clothing, entertainment, subscriptions, hobbies, pets, since I have pets now, even dating. But yeah, I have to keep track of that. Definitely got to keep track of that. And then the 40% was saving and debt pay down, actually. Hmm. Uh, majority of that was actually savings because since right now the school loans aren't charging interest, I'm only putting in just a little bit here and there, but that's definitely going to go up. And while I was content with just paying off my student loans by the time I was 30, I'm really thinking that I should just pay off as soon as possible, knowing that now it's been 19 months, 19 months since I passed the net worth positive mark. What does that mean? That means my assets and buying liabilities is no longer a negative number. I was actually happy, like kind of excited the day that I saw I hit zero. I was probably looking at personal capital. I don't think I had a spreadsheet ready for that. Or at least I can't find that particular spreadsheet. But yeah, in 19 months, I've, uh, let's see, how can I put this? I've, I, I told you all I have like over $30,000 in student loans right now. Um, that amount, I mean, I also have like, you know, credit cards, a few other things in there. With that amount of my debt currently, um, my asset to liability, well, debts are a liability. I'll go over that as well. My asset to li liability ratio is currently like 2.3 to 1. So technically, I could pay off all of my liabilities right now, like twofold, and then, you know, still have a little bit left over. Um, I guess that's kind of what my turmoil is. Don't want to have, you know my cash and investments ready for an opportunity that might come my way or should I be more realistic and say, Hey, if I get rid of this now, not only will that fix my credit score, that'll go up, especially when I want to get into my first property, but also the fact that I still have time. There's no need to rush. And if the, if I even find a couple of deals, but let's say I find some properties that don't look right for me, I still have to wait for that good deal to, to kind of show up. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of now, but I've, I think I've done well for almost two years. <laughs> of passing that mark and when i graduated i was negative 40 plus <laughs> um i graduated in 2019 spring 2019 so that was probably let's see, between may of 2019 and august of 2020 let's see that's 12 months and then june july well i'm telling from the, counting from the beginning of august like august 1st so may and then june july so 14 months so it took me 14 months to get to you know, net worth zero or positive technically. And then another 19 months to get to where I am now, where I can pay off my, my liabilities twofold. I, th I think I'm doing pretty well. And even though you guys, of course, not everyone's going to be able to copy my framework for how my expenses are. Um, hopefully this gives you all inspiration to actually try to keep your, your, uh, your miscellaneous spending, you know, manageable. Especially, especially if uh, trying to grow your wealth and uh, 
well, create growing your wealth is definitely something that you find is important to you and definitely a goal you want to achieve. In this particular case, um, well, technically goals, um, having net worth goals specifically is a what I think should be more important than having a retirement age uh, goal. Strictly for the fact that, I mean, we all we all have the same kind of constraint in life, which is time. <laughs> we can't really get more of it once it's gone. Kind of have to speed up the process, kind of make up, you know, for lost time. <laughs> Didn't mean to repeat it like that. However, going forward, um, if you say you want to retire at 45, 50, 60, 60, however you really want to do it, you start noticing, and maybe maybe maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this because I'm only 26 going on 27, but if I'm 45 or 50 and I want to retire in like the next 10 or five even five years. At that particular point, it becomes more of a income or cash flow um, focus because, at least to my knowledge, I'm probably behind and I'm realizing that I don't have enough income to replace, you know, whatever my day job or my side hustles are entirely. However, if I had that particular thinking much later on in my career, then at that point, I don't really have to focus on income. Maybe maybe I can still focus on income, but at least I can start looking at passive income instead of active income, or I can start looking at, all right, I have this income. What have I done with it up to this point? Do I have enough assets to pay off you know, my lifestyle, pay off all my expenses? In this particular case, what is an asset? And I think the best way to share this with you all is by quoting uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and various other books. Simplest definition of an asset is something that puts money into your pocket and a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. Uh, that lease, which uh, I'm saying this and I, f I realize it's terrible because I technically have a car and I was like, oh, I should get a newer car. And like when I pay off my student loans, not not to like celebrate me paying them off, but just because I'm like, all right, my car is going to be pretty old at that point and I should probably get something a little bit newer and more reliable but anyway obviously by doing a lease anyway lease uh or just that brand new car payment from the dealership that's uh, that's money out of your pocket that's an expense that is a liability technically your primary residence as a single family residence is also a liability um you can always refinance your primary residence you can always uh move out of it and then you know technically rent it out uh you can even sell it however until you make that decision, it is taking money out of your pocket. It is a liability. Homeownership is important, but at least right now, or at least I should put this, for anyone who's relatively early on in their career and their net worth journey going to financial freedom, homeownership probably shouldn't be like the next immediate goal. Um, I would say if you uh, if you came to you came to wherever United States or you're going somewhere else and you don't really you went there for school or you know simply work and you weren't really sure how long you're going to stay there. Um, if you suddenly say, "All right, I have a career here now," or "I have a family," um, yeah, you probably want to probably want to get into you know real estate. But maybe in that case, you can still uh, live in an apartment uh, as long as it's big enough for your means. Or you can even do a townhouse. Um, technically, you can do a single-family house, or you can even do a townhouse, and you can house hack. Um, that's probably the best way to at least get into it, and that's probably, 
I wouldn't say the best way. It's probably the easiest way to get into it because at that point, you don't have to, let's say, refinance out of your FHA loan into a conventional loan. So then you can use that for your next purchase <laughs> if you were going to leave your primary residence and turn that into an investment property. Um, also, in that particular case, uh, refinancing your house, it does kind of reset the clock on how long it takes you to pay it off. And even if you own your house free and clear, it's technically, well, equity is just kind of sitting there. That's technically maybe you're not paying it for, you're not paying it off anymore. The things in the house, you're probably like your normal expenses, things you have to replace, faucets, microwaves, refrigerators. You have to replace those, but the actual house itself paid off free and clear. I wouldn't really say it's an asset at that point because you're not tapping into it. If you use a HELOC, home equity line of credit, you can pull that out and make use of it. You can invest that into a different property. You can invest that into a business, stock market. You're, you want to leverage um, your assets. That's, that's, that's a good way I'll put it. You can also leverage uh, stocks. You can also leverage your skills and talents and abilities. It just depends on uh, what works best for you at that moment in time. Um, yeah, so back to uh, the net worth goal. To be honest, I was I was doing some calculations, and at least if you hadn't watched my first co- podcast, probably go back and check it out. I was saying how long it would take me to reach a million dollars invested in the market. That wouldn't exactly be, well, that, that's only the stock market. That it has nothing to do with real estate or business or anything that might happen in the meantime. That was just, all right, I'm manually investing into the market, well, automatically investing into the market, as long as I don't lose my job, my current job, for, what was it? I said my, mid, my mid-40s or so. If I work until then, I have a million dollars invested in you know, stocks and such. But that I still have cash flow you know, as long as I have a budget in place and my income is much more than my expenses. I have cash flow to invest. Not only, I should have cash flow to invest into stocks. I should be investing into courses, classes, uh, continually building knowledge and skills for myself so that, you know, eventually later on, I don't really have to work as hard. Um, you can work hard, work hard, and then work smart. Uh, sometimes you have to start in that particular order. You can't always work smart, especially if you don't know what you're doing. You haven't had experiences to then, you know, learn from. So assets, liabilities. Very big key, very big key. I actually need to get the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. I um, I definitely need to get that. I don't have it yet, but I'm gonna get it. It's it's in my long list of, of books that I need to get. <laughs> so, uh, coming in next from that, we have how do I how do I plan to increase my income? From this point on, how do I plan to increase my income? Well, uh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't really plan. Or at least I'm not gonna say this too. Well, I'll say it anyway. I don't really see myself in a management position anytime soon i did have i do have an injury management degree however i'm going to be honest um i was actually trying wanted to quote this for next episode but i'll I'll say it i'll say it here now knowledge is not power knowledge is potential power i paid to go to college to gain knowledge and for that knowledge i got a degree the job I get based on that degree is it's not like I can't say, all right, I have my degree now. I can go to any company, get in, you know, any particular salary. Like, no, it's it's all I wouldn't say up to chance. It's it's all negotiable. What job I work at, what location, uh, the actual title I get, the range of income that's available to me based on the value that that company, you know, seeds that I can bring. So in that particular case, I have to. 
I have to make use of uh, that degree to its fullest extent. And I can only really do that, you know, I guess technically once I'm in that position. You can, I, I did say I, I went to career fairs. I went to, I, I got some interviews, but only probably one of those interviews that they actually sit me down and like probably work out some equations and some terminology and everything. Other than that one time, everything else just kind of asked me, all right, sell yourself. Why should we hire you? And that's just generally how it is. And I wasn't good at it at first. Eventually I got better, but it just, you know, I guess it didn't work out for me. But <laughs> at this particular case, I'm trying to be more knowledgeable about finance specifically because I know, you know, whether it's, you know, you may not like the statement, but money kind of makes the world go round. Money does not equal happiness. Money, I would say, is a means. So you can be happier if you if you if you have the money to go on that vacation once or twice a year sure there you go like you have to you have the money for it but to begin from that either you just needed to make a lot more money and not spend it and just be like oh yeah this is fine or you had to budget it out some people really need a budget i kind of think everyone needs a budget to be honest why shouldn't we treat our normal daily lives like a business technically we work at a job technically we we bring in money um it may not be our customers specifically it's the company's customers but we bring in money we have expenses we should try to have more control over that and that's kind of how i'm looking at everything right now even though i just said i wasn't really going by a budget but i'm gonna be honest um i've been living by myself since like what was it summer of 2020 like fall of 2020 so almost two years now my expenses don't go up and down very much outside of really random things like my car engine destroying itself, things like that. And to be honest, and also me paying down my student loans, which when I did this budget, I did not take account out of anything, any expenses that I normally would take, have paid for out of my savings. Um, there's, there's definitely times where like, all right, I went to travel. I'm just... I didn't take that money out of my savings. I just knew I had the money, you know, in my checking account or like that immediate savings account. So like, I mean, I don't want my checking account to have all my money in it because if someone gets my debit card, that's going to be an issue. So <laughs> I keep, uh, I have Chase. So I have like, you know, the checking and savings. It's right there. So basically I kind of see them as the same thing. I'm not really getting a good interest rate in Chase anyway. So they're just kind of both a checking account. But I just move the money away from the, from the checking so that, you know, no one, I can't get screwed. You know, no one can access that accidentally if I put the wrong number in or leave my card somewhere. But <laughs> anyway, in that particular in that particular sense, the money was there. I was like, all right, okay, I can use it to travel. Um, bad thing is that when the uh, when the big expense came to uh, fix my car, I should have I should have dove into my savings because that's when emergency fund is for right, you know, three to six months of, you know, funds at the ready and it should be your normal expenses, but I guess in that particular case, let's say if you had a thousand dollars of rent, if you had three months of rent and you had a car expense like mine, it was four thousand dollars. It wasn't enough. That's why I kind of say you should be on the higher end. I mean, if six months of your normal expenses doesn't cover something that's not particularly health related, then I'd, I'd really got to ask. Then okay, maybe maybe you just have a really good living situation. Um, you may have roommates and all of that, but then you may have a a car that's possibly worth more than what's in your checking account it's possible i don't know it's very possible you want to make sure that you know your liabilities you know you, you you can you can pay those off not only with just like the monthly payment but if you go and just buy a car cash 
you have to maintain that vehicle and I'll be honest, some of them Sweden, Swedish and German vehicles, they uh they cost quite a pretty penny. Even Japanese cars, they they aren't the cheapest. I'm pretty sure the American companies are probably, you know, at least over here, possibly the cheapest. They may have issues a little bit more often, but you can just go to the store and fix it right away. My little hybrid hatchback that I'm chugging around in that's Japanese, it um yeah, I can't I can't I can't do anything with that car underneath the hood. It's 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 not it's not gonna work. I can't even try. I could probably change my oil. Outside of that, nope. Too many things in the way. Can I get there? <laughs> Getting back on track. Uh, how do I plan to increase my income from this point on? So if I don't see myself in a management position anytime soon, um, I can either just move horizontally in my company if there's another position in a different department or even the same department that looks good, has a bit higher pay. I could do that. Um, technically, you know, I don't know if all companies do. Some companies do give uh yearly raises or if they don't do yearly raises they possibly do uh bonuses and sometimes the bonuses are fixed depending on what company you're from sometimes you don't even get the bonus and you don't get a raise i do have some friends they're in some pretty nice companies right now and if they don't get the bonus they get nothing i have uh, other friends i know that possibly could get both just depends on where company is make sure you keep that in mind (laughs) when you're applying so what else can i do outside of you know my day job my nine to five well, over time, over time is nice. It's not, it doesn't fix the issue. It doesn't, it's not an additional source of income. It's just more income. So when I say increase my income, I want to increase, I want to, of course, increase my income in all facets, no matter where it's coming from. However, I want to make sure that I'm spending time to grow other sources of income. So right now I'm looking into doing uh, stock options in Robinhood just because Webull for whatever reason, uh, some of the strategies I want to do, Weeble just doesn't allow me to do it. Thinkorswim, I need to check. I think I can do it in Thinkorswim, but I need to go back and check. I think Weeble is the easiest because it's just I can do it on my phone as well. I don't have to log in uh, on the desktop to get the, the mobile app open. I mean, the desktop app open. Uh, outside of that, real estate. Real estate, I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to buy <laughs> uh, real estate property every you know two to three years or even every one year. But that just depends on how good the deal is and... Um, how much uh, how much money I can stash away, and uh, of course you know as long as the cash flows or I can uh, refinance it you know six months to twelve months later get some money out that would be also good doing the Burr strategy. I also realized I said the Burr acronym wrong the last time I said it, so it's buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. So B in four R's buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. <laughs> if you definitely learn more about that, uh, you should Google Burr. Also, you should also check up on YouTube, the Bigger Pockets podcast. Burr, they they have plenty of podcasts on. You guys can learn a lot about it. And I mean, I live in Chicago. It's a pretty expensive market, but there are people who are still upgrading single family houses, possibly turning single family houses into duplexes, or taking smaller duplexes and just fixing them up. So I'm just like, all right, I just need to get in the game. I just need to get in the game. So I'm gonna be looking. Definitely gonna be looking. Uh, side out. What's next? What's next? What's next? So, uh. I'm getting more into content marketing. Technically, this podcast is one of the avenues um, where I'm trying to achieve content marketing. So content marketing, uh, in a simpler sense, let me see. I just had it, just had a tab open. So it's, um, so it's mostly creating brand awareness. So you're creating content. So it could be videos, it could be clips, it could be posts, and I can post them, of course. didn't mean to say double posts. I can upload them to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pretty much anywhere. TikTok, yes, 
I'm, I'm trying to TikToks out, but hey, it's, it's, it seems to be working. It doesn't doesn't seem to be doing too bad. So we'll see where it goes from that point on. But yeah. And then, so I guess the cardinal marketing card leads to like the influencer kind of ring to it. It may not have the best connotation in certain some sense, uh, some avenues, just because some of these bigger influencers are kind of scammy. You know, trying to run up crypto plays and all this other stuff. It's it could be it could be a rough world out there. So always do your due diligence when you're listening to people on TikTok or YouTube, Instagram, whatever, Twitter. Do your due diligence. Know what's Ever that is that's supposed to be an asset or uh i guess this i guess i could say it could be a play you know to make some some quick cash make, make sure you know exactly what's going on don't just take the word for it don't do that and i kind of mentioned this already brand awareness creating a brand so right now for jay abundant which is what this youtube channel is called um this is more of a financial well, personal finance investing uh kind of community that i want to start here and I don't really have any merch design yet. Um, I have a few ideas that I've written down, but of course, the first thing I do with that is I could, you know, try to get uh, the YouTube uh, monetized, uh, get some YouTube ads, some some AdSense from that. I could even have this all. Um, what's the word for it? Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting it again. But um, take everything I'm saying live and uh, put it in text, and I can put it on the blog. There's also display ads there as well. Um, Patreon. If anyone wanted to support what I'm doing here, I can easily do a Patreon or Cash App, probably a Patreon, and kind of do some behind the scenes and, uh, you know, probably do some live streams as well. And then, of course, merchandise. You know, if I ever want to do that, I don't know if I want to do like pay on demand with like Printful or Shopify kind of, kind of deal, or if I actually want to uh, kind of do it all myself in house, getting myself a, a heat press and then kind of doing what's it called? Um, oh, wow. My brain goes too fast sometimes, but there's a there's a particular type of way that you can make shirts. Oh, screen printing. Um, kind of getting the screen screen printer sheets um, and actually using them with the heat press to kind of make some nice designs. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I definitely have to check it out. Probably go to like the mall one day and be like, hey, how'd you make these shirts? And kind of seeing what it feels like. I have an idea. I think I know what it's going to feel like. So that's what I'm trying to find the right method. But if I do do that in-house, it would allow me to keep more of the profit to myself. So. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. But yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now for increasing my income. And what's next to that, why I think everyone should be focusing on income growth, like I mentioned earlier, maybe later in life, you want to look at passive income or looking at like your complete net worth for retirement, or if you want to relocate things like things of that nature. But simply because we all pay taxes, the government gets their cut of money, no matter how we, no matter how we make it. Uh, like that cash flow quadrant from uh, Robert Kiyosaki as well. The employer, self-employed, business, and investor. As you move over to that side, to the from the left to the right side, you pay less taxes. As you move from the top to the bottom, you also pay less taxes. Now, it's very possible that the self-employed may pay more taxes than the, than the, uh, the normal employee. But that depends on how your business is set up and uh, really, you know, kind of what role you have in it. Um, even if you have like an LLC, you can get a, that's only like a legal entity. You can technically get elected to pay whether it's a, as a solo, a solo proprietor, um, or you can have, you know, partners. Uh, if you make enough money, you can even do an S Corp. S Corp is kind of the better way, I think, but you have to make enough money and you have to definitely go through some uh, very strict uh, requirements to, to get that election. But it's definitely possible. But yeah. And if you, it may, not have, it may not have looked like that as I was kind of listing them out. But if you really look at it, 
going through that, going through those four quadrants, you're taking on more risk. Then also, I said before, you're paying less in taxes. So while it might be easy to say, okay, you know, tax the rich, they don't pay enough in taxes. If, if you want to take on more risk, I mean, if you're willing to take on more risk, then you could pay less taxes. So which is it? Do we just tax the rich more or do we as individuals decide, hey, I want to increase my income. I want to pay less in taxes. Let me just kind of start providing the different services and uh, goods required for me to also take take part in that because it's it's not like closed off. Um, I will say now that since I've been looking at you know podcasts over the past couple of years and, and looking at more investing on YouTube and uh, you know different blogs and such, trying to find more individuals that look like me was kind of hard. But now that I've found them, I've, I have the avenues to find them. I can I can definitely say that all right. Even if I don't see someone in a particular field or area, why can't I jump in? You know, it's not, you know, I can't do this or why should I? I should be like, all right, how, how can I do it? How, if, I'm, if I'm the first, how can I be, if, if there's no one else, how can I be the first? And if I'm not the first, then how do I learn from the other people that came before me? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's technically a free game. If you can get in touch with these people and just ask questions, you can get into those rooms. But um, yeah, taxes, expenses. Uh, I said, they say real estate appreciates, you know, two three four five percent in certain areas maybe even more especially on like the the west coast or the east coast um if your rent goes up every year it's most likely because of that um outside of that taxes there's only a few states that don't have um state income tax but you know actually are there, are there 11 or 9 states let me see let's see right here i'm gonna get this out for you state income tax exempt states I have a mechanical keyboard if you heard that. It's, it's quite loud. Yes, it can, it can be. It can be. Which states have no income tax? I'm seeing a list of nine. There are nine states with no income tax, and they just happen to be Alaska, Tennessee, Wyoming, New Hampshire, Florida, South Dakota, Texas, Nevada, and Washington. There you go. States with no comparison of states with no income tax. So, state income tax or sales tax. So, yeah, I mean, it's decent. It's decent. But, yeah, so, there, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be immediately cheap to live in those states. Just going to, just going to throw that out now, just in case any of you were thinking about it. So throw a tax bill. That's one way to do it. Um, outside of that, outside of that. So, Oh, I didn't like I said before. So I guess here's another, here's another way to put it. Cause, uh, I said investor and then I, I mentioned stocks. I am, I, I'll ref, I'll ref, I'll refresh that idea and say for investor, um, after getting more into like, you know, the real estate sphere, um, investors love debt. Debt is how they offset most of their income. Also with, you know, if you're a business, then technically you have expenses that you can technically deduct from your income as well. But that's one of the big ones. So next, next, next. Um, back to where I was saying, okay, maybe I should start opening up some of these topics in a bit more detail. Here we have uh, what I want to talk about next is starting your nest egg, the beginnings to stock investing. So first, you got to have a budget. You got to have money that you're willing to set aside. I would say for a minimum of at least five years, I'll, I'll, I'll stress that out. Five to 10 years. You want to have the money. You don't want to touch the money at all. You want to just let it grow, let it do its thing. And then guess what? If you do that every year, after five years, if you're constantly investing, 
look at how much you'll have and then compare it to where you started you know it's a it's kind of a it's a compound compound interest very very powerful force it just goes and goes and goes and if you have a very good you know couple years like we have now you can see some really nice gains that uh possibly better than you know the average in the star market but it could also be, you might also see some losses. It's very possible. It's not like it can't happen. Uh, most of our, re- our financial re- recessions are pretty short. But who knows? If you're trying to retire in that year, you might have to wait an extra six months. You might have to wait an additional year. Who knows? Just make sure you are prepared. So have money set aside for five to ten years. Have it available. But this also, this guy's going to come out your budget. So every, I would say at least every month you should put money into the market. You could do every three months. I would suggest monthly. I do weekly just because, I mean, the stock market's been going a little crazy. It's been a little volatile the past two years. So I just kind of throw in money every week. Um, how I said before, oh, but I, I did go into that. I said, I said how much my budget was for these different categories. Oh, I said the 50, 30, 20. I didn't go into the individual categories. Apologies for that. So as far as my take home, 2% is in gifts and donations. 28% of my take-home income goes to housing expenses, like 29% really, pretty much. Uh, 5 to 6% is on groceries. 4% is on transportation, you know, gas, car insurance, maintenance of that stuff. 7% is health, so my life insurance currently. I have some with my, with my job, and then I have some outside of that. Uh, now, the 13% is on my personal flexible uh, I, I did the gifts and donations plus the personal to make that 15% from, from the beginning of uh, this podcast. 38% is savings, and that's uh, long-term investments. I put on here seven years plus, but again, five to 10 minimum. And then I have another just about 2% on debt pay down. Now, that debt pay down is definitely going to increase pretty soon. Um, I believe the student loan... Hold was supposed to end in May, which at this point is only two months away. But I think they're looking at it, pushing that out again. I really, I really hope they do. But again, I have the ability to pay off my student loans right now, but I'm still trying to make that decision. Still trying to figure it out. So what's next? Your brokerage, choosing a brokerage to automatically invest your money with. You shouldn't even have to manually think about it. You should just take money out of your account every week or every month. Also, just make sure that, you know, your account doesn't, you know, go negative. So make sure that whenever you do have this money come out, you sh- usually you can choose the day of the week that it does it, or at least, you know, the f- first couple of days of the month. Uh, make sure that you have money in there and just remember that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit. Um, I had to do that myself with, like, my credit cards. I have certain days where the payments come due. I have three different credit cards. They're all on three different days. I don't use the max on any of my cards like that at all, not even. However, I need to know that, hey, is if there's an expense on that particular day, or if maybe I spend a little, how can I say? If, if I put money into the stock market and my account's really low, and then my credit card's about to hit, you know, like I, might, I might need like $10, $20, $40 to pay it off, you know, that, minim, that uh, statement balance or that minimum payment, I would, just, I would suggest doing a statement balance. Always do statement balance just, just to make sure you don't pay any interest. I'm going to need to move some money from my savings to put it back in there. And then when I get paid next, put that money back in my savings, so everything's fine. So next, we're going to talk about the available brokerages, what I use, and what you could potentially use. 
here's what I'm going to start with when it comes to uh, investing apps, stock trading apps, however you really want to call them. I'm, I generally don't go for robo advisors. Um, I know some of them are probably only listed as robo advisors. Some of them kind of have that feature in them. For instance, uh, Acorns, Betterment, Wealthfront, uh, possibly M1 has that feature as well. I don't really use it if it does. Um, but those are the ones I, I mostly think of when it comes to robo-advisors. And mostly what those do is that you put your money in, they put it in their fund. I guess you can kind of choose like your investment, you know, risk or strategy. And it just puts it into their funds. I have no idea if you know exactly what those funds entail, um, like the percentage of what stocks or ETFs they put in. And then also those funds change over time. And then I don't know if they tell you the expense ratio for those funds either. So that's why I usually don't go for robo advisors. And then also, I would really, I really don't like Acorns because at least when I first heard about them, I don't know if they still do this, but they charged a $1 fee like per month until like you had a certain amount in there. And if you're only starting with like $100 to invest and you're losing 1% of it due to fees every month, like that's, that, that's, that's a terrible deal. It's, it may not, it may not have even been Acorns. It may have been somebody else, but if if your if your robot advisor does that, don't do it. And then there was another one. Um, actually, just, I'm think at this point I think everything is acorns at this point. But there was one where it would let you uh, round up your transactions and then take the change out of it. You know, so if you paid like uh, seven eighty for like uh, I don't know something at Starbucks, you could take that twenty cent, round it up, and put it into your investment account. Now that's cool, I guess. Like like younger people who you know don't have a lot of income that's fine but if you actually have like a part-time job in like high school or college or a full-time job i don't think you need acorns because the amount of money that you should be trying to put in at that point at the you know early start of your career technically you, you need to start with more than just 20 cents you know a day it's 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 just not even gonna it's not even gonna work for you i would even say that um, some people say, oh, you could do like $5 a day, you know, well, here's my thing. I'm not trying to invest for 40 years to reach a million. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to do it. Even though it sounds like a good idea, I want to reach my million way before that because a lot can happen in 40 years. I'd, I'd rather not wait that long to like get anywhere near my financial freedom. Also on top of that, like, I, like I had said before, there's lots of things that I believe a budget, you know, gives you the opportunity to do it gives you well it gives you opportunity gives you control of your money and then also helps you achieve like your goals as well and as long as i have a budget in place why am i worried about you know oh okay i don't need to put any money i'm gonna let this robot advisor take you know my change every once in a while it's like no i'd rather just put 10 20 50 however much i can you know each week each week or week or each month and then just kind of snowball that and just keep adding more as like my income increases are adding more once, you know, I get my living situation down. Um, I mean, I guess if we honest, I could, I have, I have a financial calculator here on my phone and I could even just say, all right, if I started with a hundred dollars, we can just say a hundred dollars, you know, maybe not everyone has $500 to open an account. I think most Roth IRAs require $500, but we're just going to say, if you're allowed to put in a hundred dollars at the start and let's say you did, five dollars a day the market's only open for 25 days out of well five days out of the week there's 52 weeks so 
5 times 52, that's 250, 260. So 260 days. Um, so monthly deposit. Let's just put, put in like $50 a month. Let's do $50 a month. We're not, we're not gonna start to do all this 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 daily math. And again, seven percent compound annually. <clears throat> so start with hundred dollars, fifty dollars a month. In a year, that's seven hundred and twenty-nine dollars. That's not bad. You got thirty dollars of interest. That's that's not bad at all. But let's say you did fifty dollars a month for let's just say five years. That's thirty-seven hundred dollars. 620 of that is interest. That's, you know, about a fifth of what you put in. But where are you going at this rate? Let, 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 let's keep going. So 10 years is 120 months. 40 years is 480. You're not going to do this for 40 years, but I'm just saying, like, looking at it. That, doing that $50 a month for 40 years is 125K. I would be scared to... Be, even, if, even if I started investing late, um, I wouldn't even consider this investing early and sticking with it a very good job. Of course, I doubt your, uh, your change at the end of each expense is going to add up to $50 a month. It's just not, unless you, you spend, you, you swipe that card a lot, but okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get to my 100K invested before I'm 30, by the time I'm 30 at least. It's just, it's just not doing it. Now, starting off, it's fine. But I would really say if you're really trying to get like, to a certain place in life, starting off with something like that just really isn't realistic because you're going to need to go from cents to a couple dollars to tens of dollars. Like you, that ramp up is going to be kind of slow. And like I'm saying, if you actually have a part-time job, I, I, I know you guys are probably out there you know, taking a little bit of that money aside, going like, oh, I got my little spending budget, but... If you're not living alone, you have a part-time job, you can save some of that money. If you're staying at home, you can, you can save a little bit of that money. Because I know you want to go, go out to the movies or go out and hang out with your friends and all that good stuff. I did it too. I did it too. That's why I had an on-campus job from the time I started college till I got out. I didn't want to keep asking my parents for money. I wanted my own money. So, moving on from that. Uh, brokerages. So, I use, uh, I use multiple brokerages. I'll list them off again. I use Inwin Finance. That's what I use to invest money every week. Uh, taxable account, which is uh, it is all after-tax money. There is no tax sheltering in that at all. It's not tax-deferred. It's not tax-exempt. Uh, everything I make in there when I sell stocks is taxed at that point. And if it hasn't been held in there for over a year, it's taxed at my normal you know, income rate, which at this point I think is, I'm in a 24% tax bracket. Um, anything held over a year that I sell in stocks or uh, that you might hold for over a year in stocks, you'll get taxed at a lower rate. I believe it's 15% for long-term capital gains. Definitely, let me, let me look at that again. Long-term capital gains. Just, just so no one comes at me and says, uh, hey, you're saying this wrong, Jay. You're saying this wrong. So, oh, we have multiple. Long-term capital gains. Oh, it depends on, depends on your tax filing status as well. So single of uh, between, oh yeah, d definitely. So if you make between 40000 and $445,000 in 2021, and it's about forty one and a half to $460,000 in 2022, let's go with the 2022 numbers, capital gains tax rate is 15%, the long-term capital gains tax rate. So anything less than a year, you'll get, you just pay your normal tax rate on. Um, so 
There you go. That's, that's one, one way to pay less in taxes. Hold, hold your investments for over a year. Definitely. <clears throat> so outside of that, I do have a traditional IRA, which like a 401k is tax deferred. So um, while a 401k, the money is taken out before it gets to your paycheck. When you sell stocks in your 401k later on, whenever you do retire, whenever you want to withdraw money, if it's not for like uh, a particular health expense, I believe possibly education and like a down payment on a house, um, you're going you're gonna to get charged uh, penalties on that. So unless if it's not for one of those reasons, um, if you are at, of age to pull that money out, um, you'll just pay whatever your tax rate is at that point in time. So you don't pay any tax on that until you sell and hopefully that's, you know, 10 plus 20, 30 years later. When it comes to a Roth IRA, that is tax exempt. So that is money out of that my take on paycheck that I put in for like savings, like my taxable. That's all money that I'm taking that I, I got in my, you know, in my check. And I said, I'm going to put some of this aside, put in a taxable. I put it in the Roth. But in the Roth, it's uh, tax exempt. However, my contributions I can take out at any point in time. So if I put in the max is 6000 here, if I put in 6000 I can take that 6000 back out. And it's fine. Now, any gains I made on that $6,000, that has to stay in because that will get penalized. And I'm going to, I sloppily explained this last time. <clears throat> I, I, uh, I talked about it, but I'm going to go into detail about that now. Since we're talking about brokerages, you definitely make sure your brokerage has whatever option you want to start. I recommend if you don't have an investment account right now to start with the Roth because you know what your tax bracket is going to be like in the future. You may be making tons and tons of money and you don't want, you know, you may want, if you have money in your Roth, you want to take out, you may not want to get taxed at that rate. So that's why I say you should start with the Roth IRA. Uh, if you can, if you don't have anything else, once you match out your Roth, hopefully at that point you have a company that provides you a 401k, start putting money in the 401k, get that match. And then if you really want to, if you can, I would suggest the health savings account. That's a triple tax advantage, so tax deferred and tax exempt, depending on uh, using that money for health expenses, but you can get some of that money out, you know, without penalties if you pay for your health expenses at the hospital or the dentist, or whatever, out of pocket. And they can use those those receipts to just kind of pull that money out, you know, later for free. <clears throat> um, there's a few other accounts we're going to talk about as well. If you want to, like, you know, start setting aside money for your kids, custodials versus 529s. But anyway, we're going to start with the Roths. So, uh, whether it's traditional or a Roth IRA, it's only 6000 a year at this point in time. If you're older, there is a catch-up. Uh, but I believe it puts you to $6,500. Can I, can I see that somewhere? The, oh, I can't even find the catch-up. I know the 401k. Uh, well, some of these other accounts definitely do. So, contributions, tax breaks, tax breaks, tax breaks. Also, here it is here. So, the five-year rule with the Roth IRA. If you're under 59 and a half, your earnings are subject to taxes and penalties. If you're over 59 and a half, you pay no taxes or penalties. So that's the age requirement that I was just speaking of. So if you're under 59 and a half right now, which I'm assuming most of you would be, your earnings in your Roth are subject to taxes and penalties unless you can take them out for very specific reasons. And you can find those online as well. Um, if you don't meet the five-year rule, which means uh, the five-year rule as in like you've had money sitting in there for five years. <clears throat> um, so let's say you just opened up your, your Roth IRA and you're under 59 and a half. Your earnings are subject to taxes and penalties. You may be able to avoid the penalties, but not the taxes if you use the money for specific purposes. So that's where it comes from. So under the five-year rule, 
um, under 59 and a half, both of those together. The only specific purposes you can take the money out for. If it's over five years and you're over 59 and a half, which I mean, at that point, both, both of those should match up pretty easily. Your earnings are not subject to taxes or penalties. Now, if you're in between, if your money has been there for over five years, but you still aren't 59 and a half, then like I said before, it's just taxes and penalties. So, um, it's, it's, you definitely just want to like take note of this and go see exactly what those particular circumstances are. At least at my point, I don't meet the five-year rule. So I would get taxed um, if I took money out. If I did qualify for any of those rules, I would just pay taxes on it, not the penalties. But outside of that, you know, the penalties, the penalties are going to hit, and the penalties are hit pretty hard. Um, but if you, if you don't meet the five-year rule and you're over 59 and a half, your earnings are only subject to taxes, but not penalties. So quick, quick refresher. The penalties, if you're uh, not subject to taxes and penalties. Oh, I actually had a nice diagram for this <laughs> back in the day when I was trying to explain this to a friend. <clears throat> how, how do we put it? So, subject to tax and penalties. So, if you're 59 and a half or over, no matter how long the money has been in the account, you do not pay penalties. Over 59 and a half, you do not pay penalties on your earnings. Now, if you're under 59 and a half, you will pay penalty and taxes, but there is a way to avoid the penalties if you don't meet the five-year rule. And then the very last one, if you're over 59 and a half, you can, um, and you do meet the five-year rule, you will pay taxes. So that one's kind of off by itself. So we can see age, no penalties. Age and five years, no penalties, no taxes. But age and depending on the five-year rule is whether or not you can avoid the penalties. But again, do your due diligence. Look this up online. That's the account. Again, this is the account I suggest most people start with if you don't have an investment account at all. Because <clears throat> even right now, like, if you don't make a lot of income anyway, you're not, you're not really worried about getting, you know, taxed very harshly anyway. So open up a Roth IRA. So outside of that, uh, taxable account is you can open that with any brokerage. If you do max out your Roth, you can just a normal account. There's no tax sheltering on it. You're going to pay tax whenever you sell or pull money out. So as far as brokerages go, I use N1 Finance. Like I said before, I have money in Thinkorswim, which is TD Ameritrade's trading platform. That's why I was thinking about like, you know, not day trading, but most like, most like trading, not really investing. Uh, I was thinking about doing options in there as well, or at least getting into uh, stock positions using options. That is something we can talk about at a later point in time. Uh, Webull. Webull, it's, it's, it's pretty nice. It's, um, you do have to subscribe to get like the up-to-date uh, stock prices, like not, not delay. I think it's like $4 a month or something, so it's, it's not that bad. Robinhood is the easiest. It's free. You don't get like all the analyzing tools and charts and all that stuff like with Webull or Thinkorswim or even Fidelity, but it's pretty easy to use. Um, they do use uh, market to order flow, which is a little, you know, some companies like public, they don't do that. So they don't make money off of you, you know, trying to put your orders in. But Robinhood's pretty easy. I say try it out if you really want to. Otherwise, Webull and One Finance are nice. Uh, Thinkorswim is kind of high level. It's you have to really want learn that platform if you really want to get into it. 
Public is also easy and free as well. And like I said before, they don't do uh, order flow. Let's see. When I was thinking about getting into uh, a day trade, um, a stock trading course, uh, day trading, swing trading, uh, it's about a $2,500 course. It's very expensive. Uh, they use TradeStation, but I was probably going to still stick with Thinkorswim. I'm pretty sure, you know, the concepts can go between any brokerage. Possibly even some of those concepts can be used for crypto. And then uh, I have an account at Tastyworks, but that's, I don't have money in there. I just use their, their tools, their, their, their stock, uh, their option analyzing tools. And as far as crypto, we don't really have to talk about crypto now, but Coinbase, Gemini, BlockFi, that's all I really use. So let's see what's next. So brokerage. Um, outside of that, what else would I really recommend outside of stuff that I use? Uh, E-Trade is pretty good. Like I said, I have TD Ameritrade and Fidelity. Interactive Brokers is nice as well. Trade Station, if you want. Those are good as well. Like I said, I have like three out of the five of those that I just mentioned. I don't really like robo-advisors, but if you really want to use them, no problem. Do what you got to do. It is your money. You put it where you want. Uh, but again, some of these apps are more for stock trading, so they're going to have a bit more uh, inf informative tools. They'll look a bit busier, so definitely kind of just open an account. You don't have to put money in to start. Uh, you, kinda, you can even just go on YouTube and see how some of the platforms look and pick from that. Or you can just use what I use. I have links down in the description. Uh, we could both get some free stocks if you sign up and deposit, I believe, minimum $100 into one of the accounts. Uh, yeah, I'll update those links if need be as well. So definitely take the description. What's next? What's next? What's next? So what are stocks? What are ETFs? What are index funds? So here's how it goes. So here's, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to, I usually just like to start from a high level and then come down, but we're going to start small. So you can invest in a stock. Um, if the stock is less than a dollar, if it's less than $5, like penny stocks, I would really avoid it at all, at all costs. Don't do it. However, you can invest in quality stocks. They range anywhere from maybe $10, $15, all the way up to something like Amazon, which is over $3,000 or probably under $3,000 right now, actually, because the market's going down per stock. Now, most, the majority of these apps allow you to invest in fractional shares. It's a fancy term. All you need to know is that if you throw $10, $25, $100, whatever amount of money in there, you can still buy stocks. You just won't have one share. You won't have a share of that stock. When you buy stocks, you buy shares. And that's what the price is. So if there's a $100 stock, you have $100, you can buy one share. If you have $50, you can buy 0.5 shares of that $100 stock. Get it? A little simple math, a little simple math. Um, if I, I would suggest not picking individual stocks when you start off investing. I would say to choose an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, that follows one of the big stock market indexes. So... As far as over here in, uh, I guess, North America, I guess possibly just the Americas. No, no, I'm going to say the Americas because they have their own thing, like Canada and Spain, Mexico, they have their own. I'll say Spain, Canada, and Mexico. Anyway, North America, <laughs> we have the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Dow Jones. Those are the three big ones. If you wanted to look at more total market, uh, you can find the Wilshire 5000 um, or even the Russell 2000. That also... Um, that also those are like they have thousands of stocks as well but they have a lot more stocks than like the s p the nasdaq or like the dow the dow only has like 30 stocks s p 500 500 of the biggest stocks actually it may even have just under 500 stocks uh the nasdaq it's pretty big as well these are all on like most of the major exchanges so you guys don't really have to worry about it 
But uh, yeah, so I would say find an ETF that follows one of those three exchanges, S&P 500, Dow Jones, or the NASDAQ. In my preference, I would say S&P 500, then the NASDAQ, then the Dow Jones in that particular order, just because you want to be diversified when you start investing in stocks, because let's say um, you have like five stocks, you throw $100 in, some of those stocks might jump up or down 10 to 20%, and then your money is just going to be looking crazy. You're going to be like, oh, why am I investing? It's going down, which if you have your money set aside for five to 10 years, it shouldn't matter if it goes up or down. You should actually want to buy more when it's down because then it's cheaper. See, see, but you buy the dip. All right. If you've ever heard buy the dip, that's what that means. Whether it's stocks or crypto, if you think it's going to be more valuable five, 10 plus 15, 20 years from now, buy it when it's cheaper. So when you sell it later, eventually, or, you know, it's giving you dividends or interest. Well, guess what? You it's worth a lot more at that point. So the diff, you, you have you have a, a bigger gain in that particular sense if you sell. Or if it's paying you interest, if, you, if it's worth more in general, you'll get more interest. That's how it works. <clears throat> um, if you guys want particular um, uh, stock tickers, so if you want to go like Google, you can just go to Google and type most of this in. Like if you could type dollar sign. So go to Google or whatever your browser is. You can type dollar sign and then you can put in Amazon. Dollar sign Amazon. Actually, no, that doesn't. Do it. Interest. Oh, because I'm not actually in Google. I'm in Microsoft Bing. Oh, goodness gracious. I need to switch this over in my browser. So go to actual Google dollar sign Amazon. And it still doesn't hmm. actually have to put in. OK, so just put in ticker symbol AMZN. If you want to invest in Amazon, that's the ticker right there. Um, and usually Google will pretty much give you a chart. If you just put in AMZN, if you find stock tickers and just put them in Google, It'll pull up like a whole chart of like the stock performance. And then you'll kind of be able to go between like a day, a year, year to date, five years, and kind of just see how the stock is going up and down in price. Um, using one of these investment apps, you should be able to actually go into the chart like Webull and, and Thinkorswim and actually like, you know, start putting filters and uh, studies and everything. But we're not going to go into that now. So as I said before, you can just go into Google, type in a company and usually somewhere on that page, you're going to see a stock ticker. And usually it's going to be three to four symbols or letters. It says, very interesting. I thought I could just do that. But you can also just type in, let's say you want to Amazon, type in Amazon stock. It comes up. Let's see if I type in Apple space stock. It shows up. So yeah, so just type in whatever company and then stock afterwards. And you'll get the, uh, it'll pop up in Google. You'll see the ticker symbol. You'll also see the current price per share. Um, some, like I said before, some companies are growth companies, uh, they grow really fast. Some companies are more value companies, so they kind of stay at a lower price and they can be good for long-term holding. A lot of them pay dividends as well. That's what a lot of the Dow Jones is made of blue chip dividend stocks. And then, um, you also have, uh, well, I said growth value and then I said dividends. So that's basically it there. <laughs> the trifecta. There you go. So. We have that, we have that, we have that. And then, like I said, you should automate it. So go into that app, tell it to take money out of your accounts, your main checking account, however often you feel comfortable doing so at a rate that you're also comfortable putting money aside. So let's say you go by the normal budget, save 20%. If you make $1,000 that month, if you feel comfortable putting $200 aside, or if you can put $200 aside because your expenses 
aren't you know extreme compared to what you're making <laughs> and hopefully you're not like in you know negative cash flow consistently anyway have it take out $200 at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month or like right when your check hits you know maybe in between your checks just have it like on a Friday or something or Monday right now I'm investing on Mondays I was investing on Fridays before but I moved it to Mondays I just feel different about doing it is personal opinion but yeah um just have it automated you even got to think about it just you don't even need to look at it i look at my accounts i used to look at them daily but now that there's they're like growing i've had them open for like i think i've had most of these one of my m1 accounts since 2019 i definitely had it since 2019 i don't know if i had it in 2018 i possibly did i possibly very very possibly did um i was looking at my accounts every day but then i was also kind of learning about finance so i kind of was kind of stuck to it because i'm like oh what is it doing now now I probably check my accounts once or twice a week unless I'm actually looking at something to invest in. So I'll look at a stock or I'll look at an option and we'll go from there. And then that's that's actually everything that's actually everything I want to cover this episode. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. But once again, I would if you need to go back and listen to any of this, please go and do so. Uh, hopefully I didn't talk too fast, but I'll try to slow it down in the future if you guys need me to. Uh, put any questions or comments in the description. Uh, check out the Instagram page. I did post the budget. Uh, my my simple budget is there as, as well. It's a nice little infographic I made. If you guys want me to post anything, uh, any other images that I mentioned earlier from like uh, the cash flow quadrant <coughs> or anything like that, or if you wanted me to probably post uh, some of the, the, the images for the logos for any of these investing apps, I can do that as well, especially the ones that I use or recommend. I can post that there for you as well. But yeah, definitely remember that um, if you want to use any of these links in the descriptions, uh, some, some, most of them are they're pretty much all affiliate links. Um, some of them are just uh, they're just really just information sources for you. So anything I looked up on Google or had an article for, you can check back and kind of read through anything that I didn't go too far in detail with because, you know, we don't want this to be, go on for forever. But we can also cover any of that later in the future as well. And, um, yeah, you can also just contact me on my Instagram as well. That's the only other place I'm really posting content for JMODM right now, but I'll possibly get on TikTok and Twitter eventually. We'll see. We'll see. If you guys think I should, let me know. Otherwise, I will keep posting a podcast. There will be two episodes this week because I actually already have the next episode planned out right here in front of me on my OneNote. Um, along with that, make sure you like the video. Again, I'll answer any questions or comments that you may have. I... Technically, you guys can find me on Facebook as well. If any of you guys actually know me personally, if you don't, uh, just let me know. Uh, you, can, you know, Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. We can talk. Yeah, I hope you all have had a fantastic weekend once again. And I'll be seeing you very, very soon. So, wish you all a good night or good evening. And once again, check your finances. Keep in touch on it. Make sure you're going professionally, socially. Make sure you're being healthy as well. Get some sleep. It's almost 2 a.m. where I'm at right now. Should be going to bed right after this. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> anyway, everyone, thanks for checking in again with the Checkup Podcast. And start checking some of these to-do things off your list. Because I know some of you have probably just been listening and haven't been writing things down. So definitely get some notes. I'm going to ask some questions next time we come on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, thank you once again. Bye-bye.